0: Hello and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. In this episode, I am delighted to learn from America's number one money mentor. His success includes managing over $30 million in assets and 10 of millions in real estate business. In 20 years, he has built and owned 16 companies which have been featured in Forbes, ABC and House Hunters is currently the co-founder and the CEO of flip out Academy founder of the money school and money mentor for the money multiplier how are you doing Chris I'm doing great thanks for having me on the show thank you so much for for joining me today I'm so delighted to have you here and I'm I'm delighted to learn so much from you today um for people out there who don't, who don't, who don't know you for example who don't know you as the the um the author of the mapping out the million mystery your book. And the um, the private money guide that you've also released on Amazon, which which is also available on Amazon, um, as well as you know you are the host of the Real Estate Money School podcast. Can you tell me more about yourself? Can you tell us
1: who Chris is? Yeah, I mean I'm just a normal guy. I was I bo- was born in a lower lower middle class family. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic. My mom had to raise me and. You know, it was was tough times growing up. You know, we grew up in a small house where I couldn't just go ask mom for things. So one thing my mom really did, and I I like to think of my mom as my unconditional one, but uh, she always taught me to dream. And I remember at a young age, anything that I wanted, the things that I was talking to my mom about, you know, doing or wanting, she would always encourage me to draw. And I, I had a desk, a small little desk and paper, and I would just draw everything out. And in doing that, everything that I drew manifested. You know, I would draw it. I would think about it so intently. I mean, I remember days in school, just jotting, you know, pictures and stuff of me riding dirt bikes, riding skateboards or whatever I was doing at snowboarding. And all of those things, as funny as it is, they all manifested. But, you know, I, I later learned, you know, with the books of, you know, there's so many books, Napoleon Hill, I mean, heck, the Bible, they all talk about that as being a universal law. You know, if you think, mani- think about things enough and you really just never, ever stop thinking, they actually manifest. Well, that was my upbringing. And that, all, that went all the way up till I was 16 with that dream of being a pro snowboarder. I, uh, I got a terrible job at a restaurant and that job led me to say, I don't want to work for anybody. And I remember coming home, looking at my, my mom, thinking she was going to be mad that I quit my job. And I said, mom, I want to open a clothing line out of the basement. And that's where Fat Clothing Company was started, P-H-A-T. And that was 16 years old. I printed two dozen shirts at my art teacher's uh, art class and sold them out of my backpack in school. And I just took you know, those two dozen. I made three dozen. Then I made hats. And it just it spiraled. And I started selling my clothes across the eastern seaboard while I was traveling to snowboard contests. But something else happened when I was traveling. I would see these other shop owners. And, you know, again, remember that manifestation, I didn't have money at this point, I was making just enough with the clothing line just to coast by and I would mow lawns and do whatever it took. Mm-hmm. But uh, I saw these shop owners who had these skateboard snowboard shops. And it was just like, to me, the perfect life. They were in their stores doing what they loved. They were snowboarding after hours or before the shop opened. And I just was like, that's what I want. And I remember all I needed was 70,000 bucks. But that was that hard reality at 17 years old where I realized that money is kind of a strange thing. And and if you don't understand it, which I certainly did not at this age, I got turned down by every single person. Every bank turned me down, my family members all turned me down. Some of them said I was crazy and offered me jobs at the places where they worked. And it was a weird spiraling effect on my life because I started to question at this point whether I was really crazy and thinking this was possible. And I remember my mom saw this happening. Now, my mom never chased her dreams just because, she, you know, she spent her her time raising me. But she came to the conclusion that I was going to give up on this dream. And before I did that, she knew that she had equity in the house that she got in the divorce. So she put her house on the line so that I could, so I could open this shop. This fat Man board shops is what it was called. And I was uh, 1994, I'll never forget it. We opened November of 1994. And I knew at that moment, I was about, I was 18 at that time. The journey started at 17. I knew that if I failed at this business, I lost my mom's house. And that was the only thing that we had. I mean, that's, that was her only asset. And that's a lot of pressure for an 18 year old to actually go through, but I did that. And for five years, I hustled and struggled and made it through that. So that's kind of my upbringing, but let me fast forward just a bit into it, just so you can kind of see how that translates to what I do today. So I ran those stores successfully. I became a professional snowboarder and life was great until the early 2000s when the dot-com crash happened. That recession right there, I'd never seen it before, I never knew what a recession was, forced me to get a job and I landed in Wall Street, of all places, like a punk snowboard kid. And I land in Wall Street in my early 20s. And what was supposed to be a part-time temporary thing just to coast me over this recessionary period ended up being something I loved. And that's when I really started learning a lot about the traditional ways that money works, the traditional financial, you know, 401ks, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, all that stuff. I I did really well. I rose to the top. I was one of the top advisors Mm -hmm. and I, that was, you know, early 2000s all the way to 2008. I I was one of the top guys making a lot of money and Mm -hmm. I got into real estate and, you know, early 2008, I bought a strip mall using hard money and uh, it was, you know, private lender gave me the money. I shouldn't have borrowed it from them, but I did. And then the great recession hit and you, you remember that, right? 2008. Yeah. Yeah. It was a hard time yeah. and that recession brought me to my knees it, it literally almost bankrupt me it took me down to where i had two months of payments left to the mm-hmm. point where i had to make weird decisions in my life and one of them was to ask my girlfriend who just moved in whether she could pay the mortgage the utilities and i had to ask permission for two of my friends to move into my house and rent rooms because i couldn't make it mm-hmm. and she, she could have left but she didn't we made it through 2008 the next phase of my life 2009 to 14 i bought real estate pennies on the dollar. Did it all wrong, but I did it. And in 14, I ended up making a bad decision and a lot of things happened, but I ended up having to sell all 36 units. I had to sell the dream house that me and Larissa, who was my fiance at the time had bought and renovated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was back down the bottom. So the the moral of that, as you can kind of see in my life, like I started down here, I rose up, you know, I kind of got to this point where I was making a lot of money. I thought I had life by the, by the balls. And then all of a sudden 2008 took that all away. Yeah. Then I rose it back up till 2014 and in 14, some bad decisions, some lack of knowledge and me, you know, just you, knowing the traditional way that money worked, you know, I thought my life was going one way and all of a sudden it was going the other. And, and that was the hardest point in my life, yeah. uh, 2014. And I'll never forget. I went to a seminar, three-day real estate seminar to learn how to flip houses, but I went not to learn how to flip houses. I went because they were giving away like an iPod shuffle. And I met two people at that event, and those two people were very successful real estate investors. And I heard them talking I'm from the front of that stage about money, how they used money, what they did with money, how they did real estate. And I remember thinking to myself, I was ca- captivated because I'm, I'm a big Wall Street like, financial advisor guy, and here's these guys talking about money mm-hmm. in a way that I never, ever heard in my entire life they're using money and doing things with money that I'd never even knew possible. And I started questioning every single thing I'd ever learned. And I started looking at, okay, I've been riding this roller coaster, but these guys haven't, these guys weren't riding a roller coaster. These guys were capitalizing and making a ton of money in these hard times. Cause remember that was 2014, still the aftermath of the early 2000 crash. And they had made money all the way through actually became multimillionaires through the 2008 crash. and I'm like, why did I lose everything? And these guys are making it all. And that's when I went on a journey from that point straight through to today. A lot of things happened, but I went on a journey to learn the secrets of the wealthy. What do the wealthy know that we don't? How do the wealthy use money in ways that we've never been taught, you know, as uh, call us middle class or just average person. And what I learned was profound. And it was so simple and it really involved changing just one thing in my life. And that one thing literally changed everything. And I made that change in 2000, late 2014. And I haven't stopped. And, you know, me and my wife have flipped hundreds of houses, had lots of real estate, had a show on HGTV called Risky Builders. And today I teach people just that secret that I learned. I teach people how money really works, how to take back control of their money and and how to be a good steward of their money so that they are in control and not giving up control to somebody else. So Chris, can you teach me these
0: secrets today? I'm I'm so um, eager and so excited to learn from you today. Like, um, what is this secret? What are the wealthy doing to, you know, multiply their money? What are the wealthy
1: doing to, you know, stay rich? Can you tell me about this? Yeah, and and it's a lot to unpack in one podcast. But I mean, this is what I wrote this book about, Mapping Out the Millionaire Mystery. And if it's okay, we'll give this away to all your listeners. We'll give Mm -hmm. them a free copy of the book so that they can learn this. But let me start with this. Um, And I'm going to talk through this, but I'm going to do visuals just because it's easier for me to explain this. So we have been taught our entire lives to work for money. We've been taught through school, through college, through all of our trainings, to go out, get a job, and work for money. And we go out and we put hard days in, we hustle, so to say, to make money, right? We get money, what do we do when we make this money? Well, the first thing we do is we take this money and we deposit it in somebody else's bank, Bank of America or any conventional bank. And what we're actually doing is, if you think about these dollars today, the $20 that I'm holding in my hands right now, if you're just listening to this, this is $20. This, this $20 is the most valuable it will ever be. The federal government is printing trillions of dollars of money. And every time they print money, this $20 in my hands become, becomes worth less through a thing called inflation. And I'm not going to get into that, but it's just where every dollar they print devalues your current dollars because the new dollars are, are fake money. They're not even real. They're fiat. They steal money from our current dollars through a hidden tax called inflation so if i know that this 20 dollars is the most valuable today then why is it that we're taught to take this 20 dollars and give up control of it to somebody else now who is that somebody else i just mentioned a bank right? We give this money to a traditional bank. And I don't know what some people think a bank does, but let me just kind of start there because really the secret is just taking and mimicking what banks do. So what does a bank do? Well, a bank does not take my $20 and put it in a little box in the back with my name on it. That is not how banks operate. They take my $20 and what do they do? They move, Yeah, right? They make loans. They move this money. This money doesn't sit still. But to me, When I make that deposit, that money is sitting still because it's just sitting in that bank account. And last time I checked right now, we're in 2021. Banks aren't paying you very much interest, if any. Okay, So we just gave up our best dollars today, put them in the bank and the bank turns around and moves our money over and over and over again. And in moving that money, they make 400 to 1300 percent more than we do on the current dollars that we leave there. Now, if you guys want to, I, every time I say that, people say, no, that's not possible. Well, then go to bowerfinancial.com and look up any bank in this country and you'll see they make 400 to 1300% on the money we leave there. And they do this by moving the money. So if banks have figured out that money in motion is the way to make the most amount, then why are we taught to do something different? Why are we taught to give up control of our dollars to banks, put our money in 401k plans or employer sponsored plans for that money is gonna sit for the next five, 10, 15, 20, maybe even 30 years until someday when we hit that quote unquote magic retirement day, where we then take our money out and sail off into the sunset. How many people do you know that retire and just sail off on their sailboat into the sunset, you know any? No, not so much. (laughs) No, me neither. Me neither. You're like my parents, my grandparents, you know, they retired. They were excited. They had pensions. They had assets. And you know what they're doing now? Well, my my grandparents are no longer with us, but, um, you know, they're in a much better place. But my parents are still working. That's funny how that works. So that magic day never happens. That magic day never happens because we gave up control of our money. We gave it to somebody else and somebody else made money on that. But that's funny. And this is, let me sum this up. I know I'm going down a rabbit hole, but we do things with money that we would never ever do with things that money buys. Think about it. Would you ever go to the grocery store and buy a nice Italian loaf of bread? You you know what I'm talking about, right? You get that nice loaf of bread. And you're like, Oh man, this is going to be so good. Come home, (laughs) put it in your freezer, shut the freezer door. And then wait five, 10 or 15 years. Then come back, open the freezer. Oh, look at your face. (laughs) 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 Open that freezer door, take out that freezer-burned loaf of bread, look at it and say, oh, yum. Heck no. Would you eat that thing? (laughs) No. (laughs) It would not be edible. Mm -hmm. How about this? Would you ever go to the dealership and buy your dream car today? And then wait five, 10, or 15 years to just drive that car? You wouldn't do that either, would you? no. No. Would you buy your dream house with you and your spouse or significant another and wait five, 10 or 15 years to move into that house. Do you know what the result would be there? You'd be single. So we do things with money we just wouldn't do with things that money buys. You would never do any of those things I just said. We could play that game all day long, but that's exactly what you, me and everybody else has been taught to do with our dollars Hmm. is to give up control, put them somewhere else and just let that money sit and then we've been taught to believe in compound interest and all sorts of other things but in doing that we don't have control of our money mm-hmm. so now that we understand that that's the biggest problem and i could go a long way with that but let me let me talk about what the wealthy do with money this is what i learned you see i'd always subscribed to that when i was an advisor what did i do with my money i put it in banks I tried building up my bank account to be as much as I could. And then I would take my money and I would invest it and put it in my 401k. Why? Because that's what I was told to do. So holy crap, like, okay, maybe that's what everybody else does. They put it in 401ks, they put it in retirement accounts, or Mm -hmm. I'd put it in mutual funds. And I'm not saying any of these are bad folks. I, I just want you to understand what's really going on and then understand like what change you need to make. When I heard these guys talking, they were talking about control of their money. They were talking about moving their money. They were talking about doing the exact same things banks do every single day in their business, but these guys were doing it in their business. And to do this, this is where it gets really simple. So simple that anyone listening to this podcast probably is going to say, that sounds too good to be true, because it's the exact same thing I said back in 2014 when I learned this. I said, there's no way that sounds too good to be true, and it doesn't work that way. That's because... Just like Will Rogers said, the biggest problem in America is not what people don't know. The biggest problem in America is what people think they know that just ain't so. And I thought I knew what just was not so. So here's, here's getting down to it. Now that we understand the problem, okay, here's the solution. Just change one thing. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> just, just, I'm just what, what, what's
0: you. the one thing, please?
1: <laughs> yeah. So we just need to change one thing. We need to change one thing and add one step to what we do. Remember before we took this dollars and now I'm not talking about every dollar you make. Okay. So I want to be clear that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to this to unpack. So I'm just going to give you the high level. If we take just out of the dollars that we put in the bank, but we take the dollars that we would normally just leave for savings, maybe the money you're putting in an investment account, putting in 401ks, just leaving in the savings account. And we changed where those dollars went first. And this is what the wealthy do. The the wealthy don't use conventional banks to store their capital because they realize that conventional banks don't pay them even enough money to keep pace with inflation. So what did they do? Well, if we take a trip back in time, and you can watch my YouTube video that is the IBC documentary explaining this, and we go back to the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. I mean, you could look at Walt Disney, you could look at Ray Kroc, you could look at heck, all so many of them. But let's just focus on Rockefellers and Rothschilds, two of the wealthiest families in history. And, and if you really peel the onion, you'll find that they're some of the largest stakeholders in the Federal Reserve, which is not a government entity, just so everybody knows. What they realized back in their time is that. Banks were not secure enough for them to store their capital. And these were bankers, folks. These are people that were bankers. So where did they start storing their capital? Well, they looked around and they found the most financial or the most successful and sound financial companies were not banks at all. Because banks didn't have their own money. They had our money. Hmm. Who had all the money is what they were asking themselves. And you know what that was? Insurance companies. Hmm. Insurance companies. Think about it, right? Do insurance companies like make fiat money? No insurance companies actually practice Austrian economics and Austrian economics is very different not to get into that, but insurance companies have all the money because insurance companies are in the business of guaranteeing things, guaranteeing that if your house burns down, you'll get a check an insurance. Check. If you wreck your car, you get a a check to fix your car. If you die, your family gets a life insurance benefit paid out to them. Insurance companies are in the business of guaranteeing and they have been for hundreds, Of years successfully and insurance companies have the probably the lowest failure rate of any financial institution there is so what they did is they said you know okay if these companies are so sound so strong how do we do banking with insurance companies now i don't know about you but i was thinking okay well can i just walk into an insurance company and say hey mr insurance company can you take my money and just put it in a deposit account no you you can't do that they'd laugh at you they'd be like uh we're not a bank but You can create banking systems with insurance companies the same way the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, and all those other famous people that I mentioned uh, do. And here's how. But I need, before I say this, folks, and same thing with you, I I need you to keep an open mind. Because what I'm going to tell you next, you're going to have a preconceived notion in your head of what this vehicle is. Because you've been taught that it only works one way. But I'm going to prove that completely wrong today. So what is this vehicle that insurance companies have that we can use for banking? Here it is, very simple. It is a specially designed and engineered whole life insurance policy from a mutually owned company that pays dividends. Cat's out of the bag. Now, at that point, when I heard that, just like when your listeners are hearing that, you're probably thinking, wait a second, no way. No way it works that way. Whole life, I've always heard, is a terrible insurance, an overpriced insurance policy that, you know, everybody says is a terrible place to put your money, Mm. precisely. And it would be if you just went out and bought a regular whole life. It would probably be a terrible place to store your capital. But I'm not talking about a regular whole life. Matter of fact, I'm talking about a very specially designed and engineered whole life policy that works very much the same way that banks, who are the number one purchasers, I think, in the world, but I know in this country, of whole life insurance. So remember how we were talking about banks being so smart earlier? They make yeah. all this money. They got us tricked. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why? If banks are so smart with money, why would they put all of their money, or not all their money, but a big chunk of their money into these whole life insurance policies? Like they're, they're either stupid or maybe they know something we don't know. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you, they know something we don't know. So if we just changed where our savings went, And we took it, instead of putting it in a regular bank, we took that money and instead and changed where that money went first. And we put it into one of these specially designed and engineered whole life policies. Now, if any of you want to research this, it's called privatized banking, or maybe the common street name today is infinite banking concept. But I just want to be clear that the infinite banking concept is not the whole life. It's the process of what I'm going to tell you next. So if you did that, just that one change, here's what would happen. The insurance company, through a contract, a life insurance contract, would promise you two things, and, and a couple other, but we'll just focus on the two that are important for today. They would first, as of two thousand and twenty-one, guarantee you a four percent interest rate on your money. Now, is that better than what you're getting at the bank? I, are you getting four percent in the bank? No, I'm not. I'm not. So, if you're getting four percent on your money, guaranteed that's already better. But then remember I said, these are mutually owned dividend paying companies. Yeah. So now we're getting a dividend every year. So that dividend can be up to right now in 2021, the highest that I know of is 2%. Mm-hmm. So now if we do 4% guarantee plus a, a non-guaranteed dividend every year, that's of 2%, we're at 6%. So now my money, and I'm just holding $20. So don't you know? mistake this for the amount that I'm putting in, but just visual. If I put my $20 into this specially designed and engineered whole life and they paid me 4% plus the 2% dividend, my money's making 6%. That's way better than a bank, but it gets so much better. You see, that's not even what matters. That might get some of your listeners excited and that got me excited, but you know what's really exciting about that? The second I deposit that money in that insurance policy, I have the ability and only if this is done properly, again, I got to be very transparent because people screw this up all the time. This is not a regular whole life. You can't go to your regular life insurance agent and get a policy like this. You have to get somebody like us or somebody like, you know, that is in this business, knows how to do this. It's very specialized. I can then take some of that money out. So let's just say, well, let's bump it up to simple math. Let's say I deposited 10 grand over the course of the year into my my you know, specially designed whole life. And let's just say I took, I don't know, $6,000 of that $10,000 out of that account immediately in the first 30 days that I put the 10 grand in. That's, that's control. I can put money in and I can take money out. Now I just use 6,000, but it could be 9,000. You know, it's anywhere between 60 and 90% in the first year is the amount you can take out. And when I take that money out, here's the trick. So pay attention. Uh, This is very important. When I took that nine grand out, was six or nine grand? Okay, of the ten that I put in, yeah. my ten grand never leaves the account. So how is it that I've got ten grand I deposited? I just took nine of it. Shouldn't I only have a thousand left if I took nine thousand out? That would okay. make sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I have ten grand in my account. How can okay. that be? That means I have ten grand earning four percent plus dividends, and I'm holding nine grand in my hand. That that doesn't even seem possible. Let's go one layer deeper. And and again, stay with me. I'm going to talk slow so you understand this because this is the key. This is what the wealthy know that you don't. Your money never, ever leaves the account because the insurance company gives you a loan from their general account. And that loan, as soon as I say loan, you're like, oh God, another loan. I'm going in debt. No. What if you never needed to pay this loan back? Which you don't. You essentially never have to pay this loan back. That 9,000 I'm holding in my hand That's a loan from the insurance company. Now, why would the insurance company give me a loan? And I don't have to apply for this. I don't have to qualify. They don't pull my credit. I click a button or make a phone call and I'm holding this money in my hand in 36 hours or so, or very close to that. The reason is this. The second thing the insurance company guaranteed you was a death benefit. Someday when you, me and everybody listening graduate, and I don't mean from high school or college, I mean the big graduation day where we go to a better place, Mm -hmm. okay, that day. Okay, when we graduate, the insurance company promises to pay a death benefit to our beneficiaries. So, if they're going to pay a death benefit someday when we die, the insurance company just says, Well, hey, while you're living, we will allow you to access your cash value while you're alive in the form of loans. So, really, what the insurance company is doing is they're giving you a loan from their general account and they're just on their, their computer screen reducing that nine grand from my death benefit. So, in other words, nine grand. Mm-hmm. is just an advance of my death benefit. Hence mm-hmm. why I never have to pay it back. Now the insurance company will charge me interest on this $9,000. How much? 5% simple interest. Mm-hmm. Now remember, how much was the insurance company paying me? Do you remember the, the number that they were giving me on my 10 grand? Like 6% on your 10 grand. Right. 4% plus the, the gift dividend 6%. Mm-hmm. So if I'm making 6%, uninterrupted compound interest, which means every year that number goes up. Mm. And the insurance company just gave me nine grand of my 10 mm. and I'm holding it in my hand. And I got to pay five on this nine grand. Mm. Didn't I just make the equivalent of, let's just say a gross 1% of on course. my money? Of course, yeah. Most people aren't even getting 1% in their bank. And I just put money somewhere, took that money out, which is now in my control. And I am still making a, an arbitrage of 1% hypothetically. Now let's go into the most important part of what this does. So now I got nine grand. What am I going to do with that nine grand? Well, I'm not going to go waste it. Okay. I'm going to look at where does all my money go every single month? Because if you want to folks, if you really want to get wealthy, stop thinking you have to work harder, longer, take on more risk, give up control of your money and start thinking about this. Start thinking about where all your money actually goes every month grab a piece of paper and a pen and write down who gets all the money that you work hard for. The credit cards, the car payments, the mortgage payments, the student loan payments, the line of credit payments. You get it, right? All yes. that money that's going out the door. Somebody else is getting all of your money. So if you wanna build wealth, wouldn't it be a good idea just first to start by taking back the money we're giving away to everybody else? So on that general pre if you wanna be the bank, well, this is the most important thing you need to learn. You need to take back the banking functions in your life. In other words, if you owe Visa nine thousand dollars and you're paying Visa two hundred dollars a month, which is twenty percent interest, I'm just picking a number out of the sky. I'm just pretending that you know I got this nine grand in my hand, which was the loan for my you know whole life policy. I got nine grand, and I owe Visa nine thousand dollars. So what if I took that nine grand and I pay Visa off? Visa is no longer owed the nine grand, which means I no longer have to write a check for $200 every month to Visa, which means I just hypothetically saved 20% in interest because I was giving away 20% in interest to Visa. But if I want to be the bank, then I need to treat my money the exact same way I treat the bank's money, which means that $200 I used to give to Visa, that nine grand that paid off Visa wasn't just free money. That was money that came from my bank. My privatized bank, which is that specially designed and engineered whole life. I took a loan from my bank and I paid Visa off. So why not just change the name on that $200 check? Mm. Instead of writing Visa on it, why don't we just write Chris Noggle's bank? And then every month I set up a bill pay for $200 to go back to my bank. What just happened? Mm. Well, number one, you took back control of your money. Mm. You truly did. You are now in 100% control of your money Mm. secondarily. I just took and recycled and recaptured 20% interest that I used to just give away to Visa. And that $200 payment that I used to give away to Visa, I never got that back. That was just money that was gone from my family forever. But now that $200 every month, even though it's the same dollars, Mm -hmm. is now going into my bank as a loan repayment to my bank, which means I have access to every penny of that $200 Mm -hmm. every month that I put it in. So the first month I have $200 more in my account. Next month, 400 and you get the drift, Mm -hmm. but during this whole thing, my money never left it's the account and never stopped earning uninterrupted compound interest. Mm -hmm. So I also made that spread. I made money twice doing that. Now, how many times could you do that? Well, you could do that with all your debts. You could do that with your cars. And if you did that with your cars, I have a video that shows you how you will get all the money back for every single car you ever buy, drive and own and on and on. We could do that with real estate. We could do that Mm -hmm. with private lending. You can see this is infinite in what you can do with this, yeah. but first you got to start taking back control of your money, and you have to just like my hat says, B Y O B. You have to become your own bank. bank, and to become your own bank, you got to treat your money the exact same way you treat everybody else's money. I hope that helps.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's, it's a lot of it's a lot to
0: chew in right now, and I'm so grateful that you have um, a seminar, you have courses that you know really goes deep into this and i personally and i encourage everyone that's listening to visit your website i'll put the link in the show notes and you could register for the web, web, webinar the seminars and learn more about it but this is it's a lot actually to learn as in it's a lot to to chew in how can i be my, my own bank how can i take the step of you know being in control of my own finance how can i become um financially empowered for example and that's everything you explained already and it's a lot.
1: <laughs> I know. And there's a lot more to it. I, you know, the information I just gave mm-hmm. is literally the equivalent of the pimple on the elephant's butt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just a small little piece. Cause what I just explained that banking function, that moving your money mm-hmm. in a circle and it all comes back to you can yeah. be done with 401k loans. It can be done with home equity lines of credit, mm-hmm. you know, and it can be done with these specially designed privatized banking policies. You know, like I said, I wanted to give, um, you know, a copy of my book to everybody. So if they want to learn how this works, this book does a great job of explaining the entire concept so that you will understand it. Cause right now I understand your heads are probably spinning and it, it makes sense. I, I can see your head is spinning. It's just yeah. sitting still, but the, this, I, I want to be clear that, although that was a lot that I just unpacked there, mm. what I explained is actually very simple, but it's difficult right now for most for you and most of your listeners to comprehend because it's so different than everything you've been taught your entire life. That's the hard part. But if you just start practicing this, just like when you learned how to ride a bike, you had to learn how to ride the bike, you have to learn how to do this. Just takes a little bit of practice in doing this. And very quickly, you will all of a sudden learn how to do this with your money and it will change your financial future. So how can we get access to the book? How can we get access to this um, free book you want to give to us? Sure, it's really easy. Just go to my website, which is chrisnoggle.com mm-hmm. and just go to, well, actually, just one swipe on your index finger, and you'll see a big thing that says free book. Mm-hmm. Just click there, put your address in, pay for the shipping, okay, because I'm not going to ship it for free, but pay for the shipping, and I will send the book out to you, and then you can read it. And also on my website, there's a video Uh, many videos, but there's a video on there. It's 90 minutes or a 10 part video series. And you can watch that and learn exactly how this system works.
0: That's amazing. I'm going to sign up for one. And also I encourage everyone who is going to listen to this episode. to please um, (laughs) get the book. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. I I read the reviews on it already on Amazon and I got, I was reading like wonderful reviews about it. I was like, okay, when I speak with the author himself, then I'm going to get more knowledge about it. And you covered everything i was i was planning to ask you already like you talked about being your own bank and you talked about you know how to make money how to get money from your loans and your um expenditures actually and that's very amazing but one thing um i want you to talk about now is like the the money school so yes. can you tell me about the money school and how does it help me to change the way I see money and how does it
1: help me to solve my money problem? Yeah, so I just talked about that concept, which is the big thing, but Money School is more. It's 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 all the other things outside of just the banking policies. And what Money School is designed to do is to take that base of understanding how to be the bank and and how to use your money the same way the banks use your, or the same way that the banks are using your money every day, but how to do it with lots of vehicles. Money School teaches, you know, all the strategies and all the truths. About how money really works, uh, it, you know. We go into how to raise capital. Let's say somebody's a real estate investor and they need to raise money for their real estate deal. We teach you how to do that. And raising money is a—it's an art form, but it's a very simple one. And it really involves doing one thing, and that is solving somebody else's problem. If you all the things that you do in your life, stop thinking about solving your problems. Start focusing on solving other people's problems. And if you change your focus and your mindset to helping other people solve their problems. I promise you, your problems will disappear because when you solve somebody else's problems, you're also solving yours. But if we always just focus on the me, me, me in this world, nothing happens. So Money School is focusing on how you can solve all those money problems, not just for yourself, but for everybody else by using simple concepts and simple practices about money. Everything from how to use your 401k more effectively, how to use self-directed IRAs or Roth IRAs, how to use home equity lines of credit, or how to use private equity firms to get the equity out of your house without creating any debt or monthly payments. I mean, I could go on for days about this. And it also teaches a lot about real estate and how to use real estate in your practice. Whether or not you want to be an active or passive real estate investor, we teach you both ways, both sides of that coin. So that's essentially what money school is. And, Money school is, is kind of unique. All the things I do, and I always tell people, a, a mentor of mine many years ago gave me the, some of the best advice, and this is going to sound weird just like it did to me. He puts his hand on his, my shoulder and he says, Chris, I'm going to give you the best advice ever. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Greg, what is it? What is it? Mm-hmm. And he says, here's what you got to do. You want to be wildly successful? I'm like, yeah, Greg, I want to be wildly successful. Mm-hmm. He looks me in the eye and he says, okay, give your best stuff away for free. Wow. I sat back and I'm like, Greg, dude, Really? Like I flew out to California. I'm at your house. I spent five grand to be here. And that's, that's the best you got for me. Give my best stuff away for free. That seems totally counterproductive to what I'm trying to do. I'm actually trying to make money, Greg, not give everything away for free. Hmm. And he says, that's where you and everybody else has it wrong. Because if you give your best stuff away for free, sure, there's going to be one, two, maybe 5% of the people that take your stuff and never need you. He said, but the 95% of the people that you give your best stuff away for free to, Hmm. they're going to respect you. They're going to want more. They're going to want to follow you. And that's what I do. So when you go to my website, almost everything on there is free. The only thing that we really do that you can pay for through Money School is we do a three-day virtual event. And that three-day virtual event is a whopping $197 for all three days. And we literally spend three days, myself and a bunch of my, my friends and my colleagues, teaching you all the secrets of the wealthy. Not just the privatized banking, that's a piece of it, but we teach you everything else.
0: And that that makes it very easy for anyone across the world who's listened to this and would love to join.
1: Basically, just click there and, you know, join you and connect with you online. Yeah, I tried making it very simple for people to get this knowledge. They don't have to look very far. Yes, yes. And YouTube. I got so much stuff on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I was actually um, caught up with you. I was watching your YouTube um, videos today and uh, you have like a lot of other people who you put their stuff on your YouTube channel yes, and you talk about, you know, real estate, for example, and I think that's what your flip out academy is
1: about, right? Uh, flip Out Academy is a, a coaching company that I started back a long time ago. We don't take new students in Flip Out anymore, but it was a it, you know we taught people how to flip houses, how to do mm-hmm. burr strategy and rentals. But yeah, we don't take new students, so everything's under the the Money School brand now. But I do bring in you know experts in in real estate, my friend Justin Colby or Chris Rude or Jack uh, Petra or it's Pete Shrek. I think I said that right. Uh, Jack Bosch for the land. And we bring them in because they're experts in the field. I'm an expert when it comes to money and how money really works. They're experts in their field. And we just, we bring them all on the, the YouTube channel and we do that. I think you've been on it, but we do a free wealth webinar series every Wednesday at 1 PM Eastern. It's mm-hmm. completely free. And we give tons of value on that thing. And it's every single week. Like,
0: work. Earlier, you mentioned of, you know, your old story from, you know, from 18 starting your business, your mom is selling off a property, you know, the old roller coaster. And there are a lot of people out there, 18, 24 years old, who are trying to, you know, become entrepreneurs or start a business. So what will you say um, actually made you to um persevere or push through all this roller
1: coaster and um, the ups and down. What made you, you know, carry on and not give up? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. It's a it's a very important one right now with COVID and a lot of things are going on. So the biggest thing advice I'd give you is through my journey. You know, I didn't do everything right. As a matter of fact, I did probably more things wrong than I did right. And there was so many times that I wanted to quit. And I, I bet you a lot of the people listening, you know, if you're one of the listeners of this today, uh, you've probably had times in your life where you've wanted to quit. Maybe you did quit, you know, but here's the piece of advice I'd give you is two pieces, actually. Number one, solidify and, and, and figure out what it is you want out of life. If you're working towards something in the future and you don't know what that is, how can you ever get there? It'd be like getting in your car and driving aimlessly around, not knowing where you're going. You would never arrive at your destination. So Mm -hmm. the very first thing I would say is, what is your destination? I call, you know, I learned from a mentor and he called it the perfect day. If you woke up every day, what is the very first thing you see? What's the first thing that you smell? And then I want you to take that same idea and I want you to walk through every hour of that entire day. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What are you doing? Who are you with? What are you surrounded by? What are the things that you do every day? And if you could live that perfect day, every day of your life, wouldn't that be something that would be really cool to work toward? So now let's back up. If we knew what that looked like, it'd be very easy to get there. It'd be like just in your car. You just put it in your GPS and boom, you get there. Mm -hmm. Now let's come back to today. To get there, the road is not a straight line. You're going to fail. And if you're afraid of failing, that is a problem because I promise you, any of you listening to this, if you are trying to be an entrepreneur or looking to start your own business, I assure you, no ifs ands or buts you will fail. But failure, okay, the only way to truly fail is to quit. I never quit, okay? I got kicked, I got beat down, I got I hit the ground so many times folks that I just I did not want to get up and I bet you you guys feel the same. Mm-hmm. But when you get back up, even though you failed that time, you learned the most important lesson of any entrepreneur, anyone, anything you know, you're know you doing in life, that failure you need to understand is that's the, the toll. That's the learning lessons that mm-hmm. will get you where you're going to that perfect day. And if you think you can make it to your perfect day without failing, you might just be one of the first. So if you think you can go for it. But when you get kicked down and you're on the ground mm-hmm. thinking, I just can't get up. Just remember what I said, never quit because quitting is the only way to truly fail. Sorry, I went long with that. I hope that was helpful. That was good. Looking at each problem Mm -hmm. as an opportunity, right? It wasn't always that easy, you know, Mm -hmm. but I try to look at every failure now as a way to get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And also one thing that's really difficult, and especially in today's times, is you should all keep an abundant mindset. Just realize no matter what you're doing, no matter how you're doing it, you you need to realize there's millions, t- tens, you know, hundreds of millions of people in this, in this country and in this world. How many of them can you help? An abundant mindset is basically realizing that there is an abundance of wealth, an abundance of success, an abundance of people to help. The second, you change from an abundant mindset to a limited mindset, and you start looking around thinking that person's trying to take my business, that person's trying to you know compete with me, that person is going to steal my business. You mm-hmm. just shrunk yourself down to a limited mindset. and now all of a sudden you're so worried about like keeping just these little things you have, you could never get to abundance. Mm-hmm. You need to keep an abundant mindset. And it's very hard, it's harder than what I just said. But I practice that every day, yeah. always thinking that there's just so many people out there, I could never help them all, but I can help the people that I can help. That's an abundant mindset. Mm-hmm. But the second I start thinking, Oh my god, this guy's trying to take my business, this guy's trying to hurt my business, I go to a limited mindset and I start worrying about the things that are insubstantial insub- in my life.
0: That, that's a very valid point because I know quite a few number of friends of mine who say, Oh, I want to start this business, I want to go on this venture. But it seems so saturated. The market seems so saturated. The competition is so high. So why should I? Why should I bother? Why
1: should I go ahead to start a business when there are thousands of people doing it? What would you tell my friend to do in this case? Well, first thing that that business where there's thousands of other people doing it. What is your unique ability? What can you bring to that industry that is not already there? What problem? Do you solve in that industry? Mm. If you start questioning yourself saying, I, I don't know, I don't know what problem I solve. Well, then you need to start there because if you can't solve a problem, you don't have a business. Every successful business solves a problem. And just think about that, right? Mm. Apple solves a problem. Like we have these phones, every business solves a problem. Yes. You as the business owner or as the individual need to solve problems. Yes. So that's the biggest advice I could give you. Mm. It's it's doesn't matter how saturated a, a, a market is. It doesn't. Because if it did, then how would all these businesses succeed today? Because they're in very competitive industries. Like mm. think about pharmaceuticals. Think about, you know, cell phone companies. Like the ones that make it are the ones that solve a problem better mm. or solve a problem that hasn't yet been identified. Uber solved the problem. Okay, Uber Eats solved the problem. <laughs> Airbnb solved the problem. Those companies don't even own anything, folks, and mm. but they solved the problem. So that's all you need to think about. Don't, yes. don't, don't look at how, you know, Complicated, or or, sorry, not complicated. How competitive an industry is? Mm -hmm. Think about how you, with what you know, can solve one problem in that industry and just go after that. Be a specialist. Yeah, just focus on what you want to solve. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I think that's another problem a lot of people make is you know when we first get in business, it's you know we just we're so we need money. You know we gotta we gotta make money any way we can. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you're doing the shotgun approach. You're just you're trying to you know do everything. And when you try to do everything, you can't be good at anything. So you should really say in your line of work, what what are a few things that can be really, really good at? And then just focus all your time on those things that you have a unique ability in. And you'll watch like you'll be a lot more successful than trying to be an expert of everything. And, you know, you you will never get anywhere because you just don't have a unique ability. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's very true.
0: Before we start recording, I was um, telling you about your Instagram page, which is so awesome. I'm also going to place the link uh, in the show notes of this episode so that anyone who is interested to you know be motivated every day on Instagram could you know follow you and you know um, yeah, be inspired like I'm inspired by your post. So one, one of the captions that really caught and got to me or caught my attention was you, we were talking about the different stages in which purpose goes through and i don't know if you remember this but you said that purpose goes through
1: um different stages before it becomes you know yeah the real purpose like the different evolutions in our life cycle and the different things that we do you know again the other thing i can't stress enough remember i talked earlier about manifestation Mm -hmm. about getting something in your head okay and and never letting go if that's your dream if that's what you want professional snowboarder or the skateboard shops, right? This, those were my dreams and I never let go of them. Even though people tried taking them away, that was me evolving through that phase. And, it, it, and you know, it's easy for me to tell a story and just say, oh, I got through it. But during that, it felt impossible. It felt like I could never succeed in this. Everybody's telling me, you gotta move. You, there's no way you can be a pro snowboarder from Buffalo, New York. And I said, you know what? If I do what everybody else is unwilling to do, I bet you there's a chance. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I practiced harder. I did things that you know nobody else was willing to do because they were work, you know, and, and Thomas Edison said that, you know, opportunities are missed because they're dressed in overalls and they look like work. And that is so true today. Oh, my goodness, folks. There's so many people that have opportunities flashing right in front of their face and they're just going by because ah, that looks like work. I don't I don't want to put work in. Hey, listen, nothing in life is easy. And that evolution of these different stages in your life, they're not going to be easy. They're just not They're You're going to fail. You're going to have to evolve through them. And I don't remember the video that I did on that, but like yeah. I, I love that. So you know, I,
0: I I admire everything that you do. You are you know you have a podcast, you're hosting the real estate school podcast. You you've written books. I'm sure you are working on other projects also in in background. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you you provide great value, great content, and then you have this beautiful family. You have your wife and your beautiful daughter. How do you how do you manage all of these things together without oh,
1: burnout, man. without you know? Yeah, I'm getting depressed or frustrated. So that's my that's my demon I face every day. I am doing so many things. I'm running nine companies, you know, lots of staff and, you know, family at home, trying to snowboard every week just to kind of clear my head. How do I do it all? Well, if, if I could show you my screen here, what you would see is every single thing is scheduled. It's called time blocking. Every day, every minute of my day is blocked for whatever that task is. And I'll tell you what my day starts with this. This might be the only important thing about my time blocking every day. My calendar, there's a a reminder goes off and it says two things. It says, tell my mom, I love her. And then the second thing it says, and these are my reminder tabs. And then the second thing says, thank God for today. So every morning I get down on my knees, put my hands together. And I just say a very simple thing. I say, Lord, thank you for this day. That's it. I start my day with gratitude and and you don't have, you know, whoever you believe in, whether it's God or or somebody else, it doesn't matter. Like that's just me. I don't care what you believe in, but just start your day with gratitude. Open up every day. The second you open your eyes, the first thing that you come across is what am I grateful for today? And you might be going through terrible times right now and be like, I'm not grateful for anything. There's gotta be something you're grateful for. You know what the, the pants that you just put on the, you know, everything, the coffee that you made in the morning, you know, that piece of food that you ate, you should be grateful for all those. So whatever that you are grateful for that day, and it might change every day, just start with that.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yes, that's good. And th- th- you just mentioned already. I think that's everything um, one has to do. One has to like create schedule for everything and be very good with time management. Was what I got from you now. I start your day with, yeah. with gratitude. Gratitude
1: is very important. Because it gets your mindset right in the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I used to get up in the morning, read my emails, a bad email would come across instantly. First thing, I'm, I'm in a bad mood the rest of the day because you set your mindset wrong in the beginning. But if you just start with that simple task of, of you know, just being grateful for one little thing, it could be the stupidest thing. I'm grateful for my watch, I'm grateful for the ring, I'm grateful for this coffee or this tea, like what, it doesn't matter what it is. Literally, it doesn't make a difference just start your day that way. And then, yes, yeah, so the rest of my day is pure chaos, but it is 100% scheduled out. I'm looking at my calendar. I know exactly what I'm doing. And you know what? I also would suggest not doing don't get into the future folks. I normally have a watch on that says now, cause it's always the right time. The mm. only thing I focus on every day is today. I focus mm. on the now because if I look at tomorrow and the next day and the week after I get stressed, I get into a world that doesn't even exist. The future, doesn't exist. In the past is gone forever, folks. You can't change it. The things you can change in your life are right now. So,
0: if you, if you reflect back now, can you tell me like two things that um everyone has to learn? You know, for some young out there, with you know, still striving and still looking up onto someone like you to become great and you know, make a, make you know some impact in the world or something like that, or make some progress in business. What are two things I'm to avoid or two things I'm to learn?
1: to, you know, ensure that I actually achieve or fulfill my purpose. I've talked about a lot of those things kind of mm. just in our, our little outtakes here, but uh, yeah. two things that you would have to learn, you know, and in, in this is part of that evolution, I would say first, learn how to be a good listener. Mm. I think that will help you tremendously. And second, and this is the part a lot of people don't like, learn how to be a good steward of, Well, yeah, let me let me skip that because that's kind of still into the listing. I was going to be, be a good steward of other people's mm. problems and But um, another thing that you should really do is, you know, everything in life is going to be work. But when you do something you love, it's not work. Like people are often talking, "Oh, when are you going to retire? And my answer is always never, Mm -hmm. never. Why would I ever retire when I love what I do? I just, I might get to a point where I do and work the way I want, you know, when I want. But to me, retirement's like a fictitious thing, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's the thing. So those would be the two things. Figure out what you would do for free. If you could do, you know, what, what is the one thing in your life you would do if you didn't get paid for? It? If that, if instantly, if in your mind you're just like, oh, I would do this, then you just figured it out. That's what you should do. Because if you would do it for free, you would be really good at doing it and making money at it. But if you're doing it just to make money, like if you go into a business and you're like, oh, I can make a ton of money. I'm not going to like it, but I'll make a ton of money. You'll fail. You might make a lot of money. But you eventually will fail because you don't have passion for what you're doing.
0: Yes, passion. Passion is the word. Yeah. Yes. Wow, this is so awesome. I really appreciate everything I've been able to learn from you today. And um, I don't. There are a lot. Of, there are a lot of other things I would love to ask you about. <laughs> I don't want to take too much of your time. And I'm sure by the time I go through your website, as much as I encourage everyone to do that, also, um, we're going to get your book, for example, for free and just pay for the shipping. And also join Ooh. your your seminars online and get more knowledge and, you know, become the best person that we can be financially, become much more empowered, change the way we see um, and look at money, for example, find ways in which we can, you know, um, become our own bank, like your cap says, actually. And um, also, (laughs) exactly, V-Y-O-B, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, become people that become um, much more independent and uh, find their passion for what they have to do, become good listeners and, just become better persons um, in every area of life, actually. I, I really appreciate everything I've been to learn from you. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. And you are a good listener because you just recited all very, very important <laughs> points of what we've talked about. Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much
0: for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.